For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Holy moly! Man, woman, and child in that foot of the aisles. Johnny the Jet Maggers, Gus for a moose from their shoes. Oh, they don't have him yet? Look at Tommy Frazier. How many tackles can one man break? Touchdown. What's going on, Husker fans? Welcome back to Believe in Nebraska Football on the Believe Podcast Network. I'm your host, Sam Casacho. What a week. Big win for the Huskers. And it couldn't have come at a better time. I don't like to use the term must win, but that was definitely a must win. I expected the Huskers to win, but I did not expect for them to win to in, in that fashion. What an impressive win. A lot of big storylines to wrap up here. And to, and to talk about, so let's dive right in. So let's just start with the score here. 56-7. to seven. The most the Huskers have beaten any opponent in the Big Ten since joining. I think the closest was a game against Minnesota, in which the Huskers, I think, won 53-28. to 28. Um, And it's the most that Nebraska has beaten any Power 5 opponent since 2010 versus Kansas State. So... Obviously, Nebraska put on a pretty good show here um, and did did a lot of things right to get to 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 get to fifty six to seven. They've always played Northwestern close. This, so I wasn't expecting this. I expected the Huskers to win and maybe win by by more than they had. I know that they've they they had a pretty decided victory in two thousand and sixteen uh, under Mike Riley's Corn Huskers um, on the road, but I, I definitely was not expecting the score to be what it was. I know Northwestern is struggling. I think the game got away from them. I mean, the first play of the game was a 70-yard pass to Toure. That play was kind of one of those plays that could go either way. Like, it could have been picked off, but sorry, you know, Torrey came back to the ball and, and was able to make a huge play. Scott talked about that being the difference and and in things that needed to happen for the Cornhuskers, make that play, the make one man miss. You know, everything is so close. So I do think the game probably got away from Northwestern a little bit here, but give give a lot of credit to the Huskers. That was a, an unbelievably meaningful win. And it, and it wasn't just about the win. It's not just about the points. The most important thing that happened is kind of a lot of things coming to fruition that I've talked about on this podcast that, you know, Husker media and coaches have talked about the entire year. And that started with, the offensive line getting shaken up this week. Uh, we didn't know who was going to go in. We didn't know what was going to change. And then when it, you know the game opened, it th- we saw the changes. Uh, Nuri Nuuli and uh, Teddy uh, Prohaska, a true freshman, either a transfer from Colorado State, 
uh, played at left guard and left tackle. Turner Corcoran moved from left tackle to right tackle, and uh, Bryce Benhart uh, did not start the game. Now, it wasn't just that those guys started and then we scored a bunch of points. The run game was completely different for the Cornhuskers in this one. This is what that we this is what has needed to happen for this offense all season. Now, I know Northwestern's are struggling. I know they're not Michigan State, and they're not Michigan who we're gonna be facing this weekend. But they they are better probably even a struggling Northwestern is probably a, a, a superior opponent to Fordham or to Buffalo. And we certainly were able to run the ball much better. Not just run it's not just a question of running the ball in terms of running backs. The holes were there. The offensive line got pushed. They pass protected. Martinez had time again and again. Martinez stayed on his feet the whole game. Even though he rushed for a 25-yard touchdown, he went untouched because the run game was going. It opened up the entire offense. And for the first game, Martinez wasn't the leading rusher. He wasn't the second leading rusher. He wasn't the third leading rusher. We had three guys rush for more yards than Adrian Martinez in this game. And none of Martinez's rushing yards, even though he you know, did rush for a good amount and had three touchdowns on the ground, none of them were I scrambled out of a sack and bolted down the field for 30 yards to make up most of the Huskers' rushing yards for this game. This game also was the most rushing yards that any Big Ten team has had the entire season. Nebraska rushed for more yards than any other Big Ten team this season in this game. This was huge. What this offensive line shakeup, hopefully they can continue this. Hopefully this is not just the the, the mark of playing a, a struggling Northwestern team, but I really don't think it is. Now the challenge ahead of us at Michigan, which we're going to get into later, is far greater, and they're going to have to keep getting better. But this team does appear to be getting better every week. That was desperately needed after last week. And, and though the team had gotten better week by week, and we talked about that, I've talked about that on this show, what the biggest thing was, was they finally locked into the areas that were consistent struggles every week. The offensive line not getting pushed, not getting run, uh, open up running lanes was a consistent problem every week. That happened tonight. It was the welcome, the, the, the coming out party for Jacques Yant. Huge game, 13 carries, 127 yards, 9.8 yards per carry. Okay? And part of him and Samari Turi's first play, they both had, he had a six, Turi had a 70-yard catch on the first play of the game, scores a touchdown two plays later. Nebraska gets a stop, gets the ball back. Next play, Yant runs for 64 yards. That was our biggest rush play out of somebody named Martinez the entire year. Now, on top of that, not just the run game getting going here, because Ramir Johnson also had a great game, 12 carries, 74 yards, um, 6.2 yards a carry. Yan had 9.8 yards a carry. Johnson had a 23-yard run. It's not just about the run game. We've also talked about the Huskers' lack of ability to start fast, starting with penalties, starting with you know, stall, drives that are stalling to start the game. What I just described is a team that just came out on fire. Two of the biggest plays of the year against a Big Ten opponent at night. Changes the game. We're put, they're putting it all together. 
And dare I say it, we also managed to have a positive game on special teams. Though there wasn't a ton of pressure on on the punter. He, there was a punt. You know, the, the game was well out of sight in the third quarter before Nebraska ever had to punt. But Will Pristop came in the game after his seven-yard punt last week that led to a benching at halftime and kicked the second-longest punt in Nebraska football history, an 84-yard punt. This is what happens when we put everything together. It's not about the score. It's about when everything does come together and you play the right way. This, the, the pieces are there, the offense, the defense, everybody. I mean, Scott had said that he'd been booming in practice. I don't know what was happening on game day that was leading our punters to, to have these misfires. The punt wasn't that big of a part of the game, but you, you felt what it could feel like to put everything together. Everything came together on that game. Nebraska wasn't penalized and did not turn over the ball in the first half of the game. That changed everything. That changes the dynamic, the entire dynamic of the game. What Nebraska is able to do offensively, defensively, their field position. Oliver Martin returned and was returning punts. This is not to say that Nebraska was perfect on the punt return. I think almost every punt return was, there was no returns. We fair caught everything. But there was no concern about it rolling. You know, it it was, he was able to field every punt. It looked like an adequate punt return. It was no catastrophic special teams plays for the entire evening. And look at the difference that that makes. 56 to 7. No catastrophic special teams plays. This is what this team can be moving forward. If they can play like this. Now, they're not going to win every game 56-7. to But when they don't beat themselves, penalties, turnovers, catastrophic special teams plays throughout the game. You get to look at the progress the rest of this team has made. Adrian Martinez putting together one of his best se- his best season, easily his best season. 95 QBR this week, 11 for 17 and 202 yards and a touchdown. Eight carries for 50 yards, a 25-yard run for three touchdowns. I mean, he's that's an unbelievable game. He's having an unbelievable season. You can focus on that. You can focus on Xavier Betts' emergence. He had an 84-yard touchdown run this game. That was the longest touchdown run by any Cornhusker since Taylor Martinez in 2012. We've already talked about the parallels between this season and that season. Taylor Martinez ran that against UCLA, a 92-yard touchdown run. These are, this is the kind of offense that, that we thought we were going to get. But we can focus on some of the great things that are happening. The, the emergence of Omar Manning after a completely disappointing 2020 campaign where he only got one target and no catches. He's emerged. You know, they had one catch, but the truth is they were spreading the ball around. It was one 28-yard catch. So Maury Turrier only had two catches for 108 yards. The conversation about, we can talk about how the receiving room and the storyline of fall camp about it being deep. It's true. We're spreading the ball around. We had a lethal passing attack. We had a lethal rushing attack. Because we, I mean, you got to give Scott credit where credit's due. You shake up an offensive line and put a true freshman in at left tackle. That's a risky move. I paid off in spades on Saturday night. So without those mistakes, without doing those things, 
We can focus on all that stuff. We can focus on the fact the black shirts held them to seven points, held them under 100 yards rushing after they had a huge rushing day against Ohio last week. The truth is if there was one weak point of the game, it was the back end of the defense. The truth was that was a, been a strength all season, so that's not that big of a concern. But that's what it looks like. We can talk. We It's so great to get to talk about this. Just like last week, we should have been talking about how the Husker defense just held a ranked opponent to no first downs and 16 yards in the second half. But we didn't. We had to talk about punts all day. We had to talk about, you know, shanking punts and and just, just terrible, terrible special teams plays. And today... Honestly, I mean, if we're going to call a spade a spade, we didn't really need to – special teams weren't really a factor for, for much of the game outside of obviously they, we received punts and we didn't fumble them. So that was – all of that was put together. You didn't really have to – you didn't have to punt until the third quarter. The Huskers were kind of just scoring every – you know, they were scoring every possession. I mean, that would be great. That would be the best way to, to, to avoid catastrophic special teams plays, just not ever have to punt and just score every uh, – score every possession. But that's another point too. The red zone offense has struggled. Didn't struggle on Saturday. So this is what this team can look like when everything gets put together. I really felt like as we've talked about the whole year, the whole offense opens up in an unbelievable way if we can run off base run plays and certainly getting started with a 64-yard run for uh, Jacquez Yant was was a great way to, to open it up. You just have the defense stretched all over the place. And with all these weapons, like I've named, Xavier Betts, Omar Manning, Samari Toure, Austin Allen, now Oliver Martin is back. You're just, it's weapon after weapon. If you're running the ball well on top of those that threat in the receiving game, not to mention the quarterback we got lining up under center, what is a defense, I mean, as good as any defense could be, it's going to be tough to stop. This was the kind of team that we expected to see going into that Illinois game. We saw a lot of the problems that we'd had in the past instead. But week by week, this team has climbed out of that and become what I think we expected to see, not just in the Illinois game, but from the beginning of the Scott Frost era. He said, and, and, and everyone around the program can feel it. Scott said this week, the environment for the Northwestern game was the best he had seen probably in his entire time there outside of the one play that they had against Akron in his first game, what was supposed to be his opener against Akron back in 2018. This is what we wanted to see. What we saw on Saturday night, this is what we, what we, where we wanted the program to be. And you can almost feel at the, the see the crest of the sun rising on Scott Frost program here at Nebraska. It's taken a lot longer and it hasn't happened yet, but if it's about to happen, it's taken a lot longer than anybody thought. It certainly seems at at a bare minimum. They may not be there yet, but it certainly feels like they're close. They're about as close. They're as close as they've ever been. And it felt like that on Saturday night. And honestly, this week, as we turn to look to Michigan, a top 10 opponent coming into Lincoln on ABC. Given that we last week were able to spell some of our, our offensive line woes, our special teams demons, we have another opportunity here. We have an opportunity 
to enter back into the competitive college football realm on Saturday night, playing a top 10 opponent. Something we haven't been able to we haven't been able to do. We haven't been able to beat a ranked opponent since 2015, Michigan State. To be able to win a night game on national TV, on ABC. This program has an opportunity against Michigan on Saturday to turn a corner. With that being said, let's let's take a look at Michigan from a football standpoint. Now, obviously Jim Harbaugh, people are going to make a lot of Harbaugh play, coaching for his alma mater. Bit of disappointment so far. Looks like they're turning things around this year. In a lot of ways, you know, we're in a similar position with our, you know, Scott Frost plant coaching his alma mater. And it looks like things might be turning around this year. But aside from that, in a lot of ways, they look very much like a big 10 team. They run the ball very well with, they've got a couple of great backs in Blake Corum and Hassan Haskins. Kate McNamara is, is, is very efficient. Uh, their wide receiver, um, Cornelius Johnson, had a pretty big game, caught a flea flicker touchdown against Wisconsin last week. Roman Wilson also had a huge game last week against Wisconsin, catching six balls for 81 yards. So, you know, we'll have our hands full in, in terms of that. I think Nebraska will probably be able to do a lot of Wisconsin's defense is a, is a great defense, um, and they were able to kind of shut down the run game. But Kate McNamara showed you can get the ball out in the receiving game as well if you take away the run game. So they're a pretty complete offense, and the Blackshirts will have their hands full, but I think the Blackshirts have shown this year that they can answer the bell. Um, it's certainly not that different than, than you know, offensively, I don't think they're, they're that much different than, than what we faced against Michigan State in terms of just how they utilize the run game and kind of throw off of that. And if you take away, you know, the one difference was, you know, Michigan State, when we took away their run game, struggled against us in the second half. Um, I'm, you know, they, and Michigan was able to kind of answer the bell in the receiving game against Wisconsin when Wisconsin was stopping up the run game, you know, a couple times. So, you know, we'll see. They also have been known to use um, J.J. McCarthy, um, a freshman quarterback, I think it was he came in for a drive that they ended up scoring on kind of a momentum-changing drive against Wisconsin last week. Um, but so the, the Husker defense will have their hands full, but the truth is where I'm more concerned is not about how the black shirts are going to handle this offense because I believe the black shirts are up to the challenge. I'm more concerned about the shakeup on the offensive line as great as it looked against Northwestern, and I and it did. They have an enormous challenge ahead of them this week against Michigan. The defensive ends for Michigan are elite. Scott Frost and Matt Lubick have already identified Aiden Hutchinson as the best defender that the Huskers have faced all year. And regardless of where he lines up, he's either going to be facing a true freshman in Prohaska or a redshirt freshman converted from the left tackle position to the right tackle position in Turner Corcoran. Doesn't that sound like fun? Having one of the best defensive ends in, in, in college football, just coming off the edge at, at two freshmen, both starting for the first time at their respective positions last week. Now, I they looked good against Northwestern, 
And I believe that they got a good shot, but it's, it's, and it's not just Aiden Hutchinson either. It's the, the whole front seven is very strong, a physical front seven from Michigan team. Um, and the other defensive ends are also top notch. Taylor Upshaw is also a threat to uh, senior defensive end. Um, Ojabo junior linebacker. So these guys are, are, these guys are a veteran group. Their pass rush is great. Probably the best pass rush that the Huskers have faced and they've got veteran uh, corners in DJ Turner, uh, Vince Gray, Jamon Green, and then also you got uh, Junior Nickel, Dax Hill uh, playing in the slot primarily. So these guys, you know, the, last year the thing this the secondary of Michigan was a little lost at times because they didn't have this pass rush. Aiden Hutchinson got injured, as did Quiddy Pay. Pay was taken in the first round of the NFL draft despite being injured for the season. And, and Hutchinson is projected to go in the top 20 here this year. So the edge rush, the pass rush has, has greatly improved their ability to defend the pass. They were able to swallow up the majority of Wisconsin's running game for most of the day. The truth is, Wisconsin, as good as their defense played, they had a fourth down stop in the first half, could not get anything going offensively until the final drive. They scored a touchdown with seven seconds to go. Mertz looked lost for most of the day. Now... I think Nebraska has a better offense than Wisconsin. You know, start. I can start by saying that. For all the reasons I listed at the beginning of this podcast, when you talk about the weapons that we had, you know, we had a performance like we did on Saturday night against Northwestern, and no one had more than two passes. But it looked like, I mean, it looked like <laughs> there were balls being caught by everybody, ex- explosive plays happening left and right. You have lots of weapons in Samori Toure, Omar Manning, Xavier Betts, Oliver Martin, Austin Allen, and even more than that. Really what the Huskers need here is for the offensive line to just hold up their end of the bargain. I don't need them to dominate. I don't need on the first play of the game for Yan to rip off a 64-yard play. But I need the what we need the run game to, to at least be a threat and to be getting some chunk yardage off the base run. And we need them to pass protect. Does that mean we're going to completely neutralize um, Hutchinson? No, it doesn't. But what we can do is give Martinez just enough time. He's not going to have all day, but he just needs enough time to get the ball to the weapons because the truth, we're probably not going to run all over Michigan. I mean, we just start by saying that. It's going to come down to how far can Martinez take us with both his legs and with his arm. That's typically in any tough game we're going to play, the Huskers are going to play this year. It's going to come down to that. The question is, can, can the offensive line just hold up their end of the bargain? Can these two freshmen switch in positions last week that worked out really well, can they take it to the next step? Can they be that much better against an elite Michigan pass rush? It won't be easy, but a trend this year with the Huskers has been the stacking the weeks. We talk about it on this show, I talk about it, and they've been able to do that in a way that they have not been able to do that in previous years. We talked about how last year, big win against Penn State early on in the season, immediately blown out by a lesser opponent in Illinois the next week. Blown out. It's not close. This year, we started losing to an Illinois team we had no business losing to. We got a little better against Fordham. We cleaned some things up. We got a little better the next week against Buffalo. We were better against Oklahoma. Cleaned some of that up. Got better and played Michigan State to overtime on the road. Now we're playing Northwestern. It put everything together 56-7. to 
We need to take another step this week. We need to take another step forward. Because I think Vegas is tired of losing to Nebraska. I'll tell you that. Nebraska has covered every game since the Illinois game. They're tired of, of losing. I think they finally last week were like, all right, clearly Nebraska took Michigan State to overtime. We'll set the line at 11 and a half. Next thing we know, Michigan, you know, Nebraska's winning by 56 to 7. So we got a three and a half spread here against Michigan. I think everybody knows it's going to be a good game. Could be a good game. Could be the moment the Huskers turn the corner here and, and, and re-enter competitive college football on a national stage. But the Huskers have to go out there and take it. And it won't be easy. It'll take their best game. It'll take putting everything together just like they did last week. It'll take more 84-yard punts. It'll take your offensive line playing even in the the players that played in new positions last week, Prohaska, Corcoran, Nuri, another level, the next level, find it against this Michigan team. The Huskers have been in the dark for a long time, it feels like. But on Saturday night against the Michigan Wolverines, they're going to have an opportunity to step into the light. That's our show for this week. Tune in again next week to see if the Huskers can upset the Michigan Wolverines under the lights at Memorial Stadium this Saturday night. And as always, go Big Red. I was raised in Nebraska. But one time I journeyed south And the things those Okies said down there Made me wipe out a couple of miles They like their Sooner football And they don't like the Huskers enough But I surprised them all when I sang this song I made them take off and run You can boast about your victory Tell me all about your team But when we meet on the football field Your bridges won't be clean You can brag about the Sooners And sing your old fight song But don't come across our borderline Cause you knuckleheads don't belong
Your bridges won't be clean You can brag about the sooner And sing your old fight song But don't come across our borderline Cause you knuckleheads don't belong Oh no, don't come across our borderline Cause you knuckleheads don't belong Get on back to Oklahoma. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.